You know, I think the celebration's in order. Well, happy 4th of July, Bonzilla listeners. Happy 4th, uh, miss. Or I guess uh, if you're not uh, stateside, uh, happy Independence Day. That was a pretty famous movie that I'm sure that no matter, that's 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 a universal movie, right? Everybody, because that was like the whole end of that movie where it's like uh, today will no longer be the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. Because sometimes I do forget that like, you know, this is like a, a specific American uh, holiday. How right. centrist of me, mm-hmm. Nick. I'm owning up to my own prejudices. And you know what? You know how I'm going to, uh, you know how I think uh, I'm going to make up for that? We're going to give some of our listeners some of that sweet, sweet content. Bonus content. So, uh, because he, this month has five Wednesdays. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. But it was also like one of these things where, you know, it's the holiday weekend. You know, you don't We don't know wanna... how many people are listening to podcasts. You know, they're having their barbecues and their fireworks. They can't hear our podcast That's over true. over That's fireworks. True. You can't. And you know, you don't know. Like, you know, and then and, and then Wednesday passes, like, am I gonna really listen to this podcast on yeah. Thursday? And here's a here's but here's a nice little sweet thing in case like for your fourth of July trip, maybe you're like taking a flight somewhere, maybe you're going and you and you and you like us you like our voices you like hearing us talk about james bond that suave alcoholic uh, assassin or you like talking about like uh king uh, godzilla the king of the monsters the giant destructing lizard that's sometimes a hero sometimes that's not and the reason i bring up this vast uh, array of what these uh individual icons mean uh over the course of their respective franchises uh, I wanted to do something a little bit special uh, for this episode. Um, now, usually we start off with a, um, our uh, main uh, movie episode. Uh, we will be uh, dropping that next week, and uh, it will can then we'll continue our uh, normally scheduled programming, and you know, with the deep dives, our Godzilla episode, and the deep dive after yeah. that. Fourth of July, let's be kind of corny and talk about four movies in our franchises. Now, I thought about this. Like, how do we talk about it? Do we talk about four movies of each era, or do we talk about the first four movies? What did we come up with? So, what I decided uh, and what we had agreed upon for this episode is we are going to talk about four movies in the Godzilla and James Bond franchise each. Um, and we I, we left it to each other's respective franchises, Godzilla for me and um, James Bond for you. And we're going to talk about the four movies that we feel encompass the franchise and everything that you need to know about each one. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to say, and at least from my point of view, and then this is kind of what came up when looking and compiling this list, this is not necessarily um, 100% a... And these are in no particular order, I think. At least for you, I don't know. Did you kind of put yours in an order? Mm -hmm. No particular order for me. I mean, like... I'll. My order will be, here are the two I definitely knew, and then here are the two I had to debate a little bit. Yeah. That'll, I, be, that'll be kind of my order. So, and basically, what I this isn't necessarily, we didn't go into this thinking like, all right, here are the four best Godzilla movies, or here are the four, or here is like what our top four is. That's not where, that'll be an episode for another time. The way that um, I had suggested that we go about this is that we pick the four movies that we feel like if you if you needed to just ham somebody four movies and be like this is everything you need to know about the legacy of these characters. This is like you kind of once you watch these four movies, you kind of get where it encompasses everything that this franchise has been for like uh, for its entire existence. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that would be like a, a bit of a, a fun exercise and. Um, 
and I'm excited to see how we're going to do this is that we're going to start off with the James Bond movies. Nick uh, has made his decisions of what he thinks. We're going to go a little bit back and forth on them, and then I'm going to give briefly what I feel like the James Bond movies are just as kind of like an adjacent fan. And then we're going to move on to the Godzilla versions in which I will give my in-depth here what the four Godzilla films are, and then you will give your opinions as an adjacent fan. So, Nick, does that sound good? That sounds good to me. Uh, Okay, so uh, let's... Nick, with the James Bond franchise, we yeah. have always talked about with that this franchise, it's been an interesting franchise where everybody knows everything about James Bond. You know about the gadgets, you know about the villains, and you know that James Bond is known for its uh, gadgets and uh, many villains. Or is it? Or, you yeah. know, do, do people actually, do they know the idea of the, like, both of our franchises are in a level of, do people... Are people more familiar with the ideas than the movies themselves? Um, like, you know, does everybody think that, like, James Bond is all about quips and corny, uh, you know, names? Right. Or is it now the Craig movies? But, Nick, what would be the four movies that you would give uh, Joe Schmo on the street? Like, all right, like, hey, Joe, I got some movies for you. You like uh, you like uh, James Bond? It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know a little bit about James Bond, but it's like, you know, where do, where do I start? Like, you know, well, and then you'd be like, well, I'm going to give you some homework and be like, here's four movies, and now you completely get James Bond. What do you give us, Nick? All right, so um, one thing I definitely decided early on in deciding this um, was that I would do four movies of four different Bonds, which means that two Bonds are not, a bad choice. not, not here. Uh, I can already tell you that there's no Craigs on this list. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Can can you ex- can you kind of dive I into what felt, this is? I felt like none of the Craigs real like because it's it goes into our thing about what encompasses James Bond, and like the more we've get into these Craig movies, one is that like you know do these movies really encompass what Bond is? Hmm. But I also feel that a lot of what those movies try to do. I feel like has just been better done, uh, even if it's like not a hundred percent all in on it. But it's like, you know, trying to make it more personal. I felt like has been better done before. I feel like in other Bond movies, in other or? Bond okay, movies, yeah, right. in other Bond movies. I feel like there's just better examples of everything within those Bond movies. And I just feel like if I'm gonna give someone four Bond movies, mm-hmm. like really, like the only Craig movie I could give them, I feel like is Casino Royale at mm-hmm. this point. And I just feel like, again, even though I said that that's a Bond movie at heart. I don't know if it really encompasses what I feel like Bond is. Hmm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Because like, I, I'm not going to give... I can see the rationale. I'm not going to give someone Casino... I'm not going to give someone Quantum. I'm not going to give someone Spectre. And mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like Skyfall is, again, just when you look back on this, one of those movies where it's like... it's. I think it's good for... You know... It, we, we decided it's not perfect. But it's good for what it is. But is what it is truly what I want to represent the Bond franchise? And I just did not did not know about it and then again same thing like we'll talk about it but i there was a point there was one version of this list that did have honor majesty secret service but i decided to go with a different movie instead so we're gonna have a cray or sorry uh, uh, we're gonna have a connery a Moore, a dalton and a uh Rosnett on i this knew list. you were gonna sneak a dalton in there yeah. i have my reasons yeah okay well let, okay so uh what, what right, what's so the first were, movie you there, hand me there were two movies that were very obvious okay um the first movie that was very obvious for me to pick was from rush with love because i felt like to start with you needed to have a movie that represented that um the kind of lower key spy, the kind of origin spy movie mm. that like 
those first two, really those first two were like Dr. No and From Watch With Law. That kind of is a little bit of Goldfinger, but Goldfinger kind of gets into that kind of the bigger kind of world stakes type of thing. Whereas Dr. No and, and From Watch With Law kind of keep it to that old school kind of spy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, Rush, From Watch With Love is high in my list, very high in my list, second favorite right now. Um, but I feel like what From Rush With Love does is I feel like, again, it kind of captures really what that early Bond excitement was all about. It has kind of these cool scenes of tension, like the the train sequence, crazy fight scenes like the uh, the gypsy fight that just kind of get all over the place. But then mm-hmm. you still kind of have the classic Cold War nature of it and the, you know, kind of how the Russians play into it, kind of the best version of Spectre. The spy work is a little bit more lower key, and I feel like it represents what people believe is that kind of original pure Bond aspect. Right, okay, all right. I, again, it's one of those things where I want I did want to pick one from each franchise, and I felt like Goldfinger was very close, because Goldfinger is in so many ways the most iconic movie of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but one is that I felt like, again, there was maybe another movie that kind of represented the bigness of Bond a little bit better in terms of being more all-in on that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I also just wanted to avoid that barn scene. I just didn't... Mm-hmm. If I was going to give someone a random movie, I just... I don't think that right. scene deserves to be in there. But yeah. I feel like... I feel like Fist from Russia with Love is just... It's also just very good. It's also a movie that I think just encompasses kind of what people like about Connery's Bond, kind of that, the classic look of Bond, the classic feel of what Bond is... And I feel like it's just a very, like, solid introduction to kind of the basics of James mm. Bond. Because it's yeah. also, like, you know, some of the earlier gadgets and stuff. I, but I feel like you need that base. You need that early on movie. And I feel like From Russia With Love is the best option in that sense. It, and it definitely, the other, good, the biggest thing about it, it definitely establishes Bond as a globetrotter, too. It's the and globetrotter. Yeah. I mean, it, like, his relationship with Tatiana in that movie, I think, is even a little bit stronger than, than with Honey Rider. Yes. And that character is a lot more dynamic. It's also the best that Money, Penny, and Bond really have ever been. That dynamic mm. is the most fun that that version of the characters have ever been and i just feel it's just again and, and red grant's a great henchman and rosa Klebb's kind of a good villain and you have the blow fed in the shadows and kind of that aspect of the character and even like the craziness that like of just some some of the quips are still there so i feel like that was kind of like a good choice for the connery I definitely would agree only uh, from the aspects of that it's it establishes that Bond very early on in the days was a globe trotting uh, spy story because mm-hmm. like that's really you know because it is one of the things like it is before it becomes like a very much more outlandish like megalomania uh, yes. maniacal villains yeah. and things like that. So uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't fight you too hard on that one. Yeah. That's a pretty good decision. And my my second obvious choice is and, and it feels like it's kind of simple because these are like my favorites but i also feel like like the other the other obvious choice for me had to be spy who loved me because okay. all right because that's the one that i feel represents the bigness of bond because you have like every action sequence in that movie feels huge in some way you have that big opening sequence at like uh, on this on the mountain with you know the different aspects i think you have you know the lotus is a classic gadget the end of that movie is the, at the super tanker is so insanely big it just feels like it's a movie that represents everything that bond became it's beca- when when it transitioned from the kind of lower key spy stuff into the big megalomaniac mm-hmm. save the world crazy gadgets mm-hmm. and crazy nonsense and i feel like because then you have jaws you have agent triple x 
And I just think you also have a very, like, a solidly paced movie that gets out there. And you have a little bit of that drama in there, too. Mm, okay. Because, again, it's, yeah. it's one of the things where it's like, it was really, again, between, you know, for the more, it was very much between, you know, those those three middle period mores that I like so much. It was Moonraker, it was Spy Who Loved Me, or it was For Your Eyes Only. And while I feel, because I feel like For Your Eyes Only, it was like, yeah, it has that bigness, but it also feels like it's trying to get too much towards From Russia With Love, and I wanted something different. Mm. And Moonraker, I feel like, does have those pacing issues in the middle, which kind of takes away from that big feel. Mm. I just feel like Spy Who Loved Me, again, why I love it so much is just kind of its insanity and its bigness. And I, and I do love, you know, the Agent Triple X character a little bit more than you do. Uh, but I feel like that whole dynamic of the movie, especially at the end, you know, with how crazy that at last action sequence gets. Mm. Well, I will say, like, those three uh, movies that you mentioned when it comes to the more movies, because I have a more movie on my list, uh, but it really was, for me, also, like, but uh, kind of like a yeah. fight between those three of, like, which one of those mores do I do I put up there? Yeah, because it's also, like, when you, when you do this, you want, like, movies that you like, because there's also, a, there's also a version of this list where I put something like a, you know, live and let die in there, just be like, well, here's, like, kind of the stupid, silly, kind of not great, but still entertaining type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm also of that opinion, like, when you only have four, it's so hard to, like, say, like, you want a movie like that when there's, like, another better movie that represents your things a little bit better. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it is interesting because I know, like, when I went through my list, I, I became less concerned about, because I definitely had said, like, acknowledge that some of the movies that I consider for my list were better movies, but yeah. I ultimately went with something else. But we'll get to that in my yeah. list. So, number three. So this is probably going to be the most out there decision for a lot of people. I want to hear it. Um, but it's uh, License to Kill. Um, okay. All right. Because, again, I'm looking for the things adults. That, yes. Um, be, well, the thing was, I'm looking for movies that represent different aspects of Bond that I like. Because, again, I'm looking for someone to get a, a kind of a crash course in Bond. And what I really liked about License to Kill on this watch, and the thing I've appreciated more, is I feel like it's the one... Th- it's it's kind of a really good way to look into that kind of personal bond mission, which I think is an important aspect of the character, which is something that appears in stuff like Honor Majesty's Secret Service. There's a little bit of it in For Your Eyes Only when he's trying to help Belina Havelock and kind of the, like, hey, don't get too personal in this. But I, what I liked about, so obviously it has the major character stuff with Felix where he's trying to get revenge on Felix. It represents, it just briefly references his, his marriage, which I do, you don't need to know all the details on, but get you that sense of that kind of history of the character. Right. It has great relationship stuff with, with Q. Um, and I do feel like beyond the, like kind of the regular characters, I do feel that there's aspects of the Pam Bouvier and bond relationship that kind of deal, deal with those aspects. Again, for you, maybe not as much as I enjoy it, but I do feel that that represents kind of the personal Bond movie a little mm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, like the other options for me there, it's like uh, you could do a, the you know, Spy, I mean, not Spy, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is kind of a more obvious choice because it deals with the Tracy stuff. But again, it's I feel like I wanted the a little bit more variety, and I feel like, you know, the problem that always has with, uh, you know, especially introducing new is that... Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is trying is lazy to be trying to be Connery, and I wanted a kind of a little bit more variety in in the acting as well. Yeah, and, and I think I think also what's good about that decision, even though like you're higher on the Dalton movies, but what I do think is good about putting it on this list is that especially if you're getting rid of if you're not putting any of the Craig movies in, yeah. and I think what's good about the Dalton movies, uh, especially License to Kill, is that it does show that Bond 
at some point later in its career did get back to being like more of like that grounded Mission right. Impossible spy and movie. It's a movie that especially when you look at the original um you know the, the cut that is now available on all the blu-rays it's like the kind of the grittier cut with the more a little more the violence mm-hmm. and yep. and stuff like that and it doesn't kind of hide that aspect of bond it yeah. is a little bit more real world so i think it brings you're right it does bring that character aspect to it mm-hmm. and i just think it's like it's something different yeah and i think like because all the other movies again like they still even like from Russia with love which is lower key it still has those world app you know um just big world stakes. Yeah. It has world stakes, even if it's a smaller scale with the Lecter decoding device and Spectre kind of, you know, just playing like a little bit of cat and mouse game with it. Mm-hmm. It still has that sense of like that, where it's like, I feel like this kind of firmly plants itself more so in that Casino Royale style mm-hmm. or in, you know, uh, in that Rear Eyes Only style where it's a little bit more smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also kind of what works for me about the movie. All right. Well, I'm curious. What's, uh, what's number four and on the list? Like, this may see again may seem obvious, but it's going to be Goldeneye, and be, mm-hmm. it's because I think Goldeneye, even more so than any of the Craigs, is really like here's what modern Bond is mm-hmm. and what modern Bond should be. Because again, that's the problem that I had with putting in any of the Craig movies. To be quite honest, is like yes, it's modern Bond, but is that is this does it? It, it just feel like gold, if you're trying to represent what Bond is, mm-hmm. like there's almost no better movie on an overall scale than Goldeneye because Goldeneye again it modernizes Bond it's stuff that started in the Dalton movies but really kind of comes full fruition in that movie it kind of takes all the aspects of what makes all those other Bond movies great it has the personal stakes with uh, um, Alex Trevelyan it has kind of the insanity of something like you know on a top and kind of those over the tank sequence it kind of has the world stakes. It's a little bit different, and it brings it into a modern light. And mm. I feel like that kind of, if you were to watch these movies in that order, Goldeneye kind of brings it all together and kind of like here's mm, what we've okay. here's what we've seen. We saw kind of the 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 origins of it in From Russia with Love. We saw the bigness of it come in Spy Who Loved Me. We saw the personal aspect of it come in License to Kill, and then. Goldeneye kind of really mixes that in. It's like, this is what Bond is. Mm. I mean, it's, it's why, like, it's, it's again, it's hard to say that I would, you know, because those are my three top three movies, you know, and, and License to Kill is maybe kind of the outlier still in my top ten. But when you only have four, and four is a very hard number, because, like, let's, if, if it were five, honestly, if it were five, I would maybe throw in those four and then maybe throw in like a like I like I said a live and let die or a die another day or something that's more like maybe not great but still kind of shows that aspect of the franchise mm-hmm. of like hey like this has been all over the place. But four is such a specific number that it's kind of hard to dwindle it down to like you, again you don't want to waste the slot. Mm, and I yeah. feel like that's what those well, that, four- it's not called Fourth of Jaw Five, so no. it's like it's, yes. it's yeah, so <laughs> that's very much on that. Hey, it's a Revenge of the Fifth type of deal. <laughs> it's it, it, you know everybody's like, maybe the fourth is a Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> but I feel like those four movies just kind of are a nice sweeping aspect of everything that I love about this franchise, mm-hmm. and I think that it kind of gives you again the different eras classic and modern kind of gives you kind of a, a best of the best and then if you want to dive into more i definitely have more to show you mm-hmm. and if you want to kind of compare it to the craigs eventually you can do that but that's kind of where kind so, of i landed on this. so to recap your fourth choices for here's the bond here's everything you need to know about bond from russia with love mm-hmm. um spy love, spy love me license to kill license to kill and goldeneye yes 
Sounds good. And uh, just to kind of briefly go, like, what I went with a little bit of yes, the Yes, I'm exercise. very interested to hear this. So my, and I think you're going to see this as with the Godzilla franchise, too, that I think I went a little bit, like, my, like, and not to say you did it wrong at all. Like, this was why we said, like, we wanted to see what we came up with. And I, I think I went in more of the direction of being a little bit more, like, here are the four movies that encompass just, like, the franchise as is. So I yeah. think I, I, I kind of taken a little bit more of a wider approach to it, even though, like, a, a lot of the rationales of the decision-making uh, I have shared with you. And uh, the first decision I'll just hop off of exactly what you say is that GoldenEye is, uh, no, is number one. Um, or I mean, again, this isn't, like, uh, in, any in, order. In, in, in any really order, but just because it's the last thing you mentioned. I did put GoldenEye on my list. Um, and I think for, in many ways... Um, there's that level of you know it's a little bit more of the modern bond um i think it's one of the stronger stronger movies um but i think that it just um it it en encompasses that you know you're kind of approaching the late 90s 2000s era and then you just i, I just think it's just a solid representation of just like a modern modern yeah. day bond modern day bond with yeah. all like while because uh, I think with Goldeneye, it's starting to really move into the modern action film. Yes, and um, and I think that that is an important aspect to like recognize in the Bond franchise. Um, and then also like you know it still has like some of the, like the tropes that we like, but it's also just like a damn good movie. Yeah. I think. Um, so to go back uh, a little bit, um, so uh, I. I was a little bit in the same pickle that you were with uh, one of these earlier films. Um, and um, I did think it was important to choose an early film. I think because sometimes with a lot of these franchises, you think like, well, the first one you you, yeah. you got to do. So I had I had considered Dr. No. Um, and I kind of had moved off of that. And it really became down to a tie between uh, From Russia with Love and Goldfinger. For a long time when thinking about my list, yeah. I was very similar to you. Uh with um uh from russia with love but i ultimately did land on goldfinger being on the list and here is why because in fact i 100 percent agree that the one thing that really deterred me from it was the questionable barn scene because the thing about gold and i go goldfinger and i talked about it in this episode to me that movie is perfect outside of that scene sure that is one of the all-time classic action movies outside of that scene if that scene is different that scene doesn't exist i it's easier for me to share that mm -hmm. i think well here's the reason i ultimately put it down because i do think ultimately like while i may even in many ways think that dr no and from russia with love are better movies i think this is the movie that does show that early on that bond that this is early on was giving birth to all the familiar tropes that you know about the Bond movies. Mm -hmm. That there were some quips, like everything you know about. There's the um, there's the big mega maniacal villain, like you know, with Goldfinger. He has like the over the top, not over the top, but like the elaborate traps of like the laser, like the big like you expect me to talk? No, Mister yeah. Bond, I expect you to die. I mean, you have the henchman, and you know her name is like Pussy Galore. Like yeah. so, it's like I think it would be. Yeah, the gadget car. So I think the reason I wanted to put this movie in is because in many ways, everything that you know about the Bond franchise that has stood the test of time, that has given birth to the parodies, that have given birth to like the love letters like Kingsman, it was all kind of, to me, after watching this franchise in this movie. And if you remember, 
you know, I I dug Golden. I I dug. Sorry, not Golden. Uh, Goldfinger. You always, we always mix yeah. this up. Yeah. But I I dug Goldfinger, but I didn't love it. Yeah. And so like I'm kind of showing my colors by saying like these are necessarily not like my oh all of my Your ultimate favorite, favorites. Yeah. But I do think that this was the movie that gave birth to a lot of like yeah. what you know and about like the you know yes it was very close. Um, but I I. For the reasons I said, I ultimately what the promotion was. Um, so uh, the other choice that I wanted to do, I wanted to put a more movie in there because, like, I just think it's a whole era of the films that you need to know, and I think it's good to know because more kind of does stand out as his more unique individual bond. More, like, I think. Like, I think I really, for one of the deep dives, I did not get to it. I really would love to do a deep dive on the Bond actors and like kind of go into it. But one of the things I will say about Moore, and I would go into it more on a deep dive episode, is that Moore, more so than any other Bond, really does stand out as his own kind of creation. Yes. I think, like, in in some ways, like, Moore is the most unique. Because, like, again, I love, like, Dalton and Brosnan, and I have mixed feelings on Craig, but they all kind of really share things with, with Connery in a lot of ways. They kind yeah. of take it off of that Bond, which is, again, you know, initially close to that book Bond and everything like that, whereas Moore really stands out as his own character, which I think makes him very unique. And having watched the movies makes it very easy to see why it can be some people's favorite Bond. And uh, the movie I chose, uh, because this was a tough one. I, I didn't know which one I really wanted to choose. And to be honest, there was no clear winner for yeah. me because I like Moore and I have... I don't want to say mixed opinions because I'm generally favorable of them, but no more movie really stands out as like, oh, this is the clear winner to me. Right, because there's there, especially that middle period. Like, yeah. Either of those three can really like go So I went with Moonraker. And the reason I went with Moonraker is because I do think that if we're talking about the pantheon of the of the, of both of these franchises, and, you, and you're going to find this, I, I think, with uh, both of these lists, is that I do think it's important to know that Bond at what did get silly. Like at, yeah. at at some point in its franchise, and how sillier does it get than like they went into space? Yeah, and oh, yeah. and 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 I actually don't hate that movie. In fact, I think like once they get into space, I actually think that's some of the more fun stuff in that movie. Yeah. But I do think it's important to know that like it's not all just grounded spy spy stuff the whole time. I mean, I, you know, I I did debate all three of those movies. Uh, my debate kind of landed a little bit more on Spy Who Loved Me versus uh, For Your Eyes Only. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost went for your eyes only for the same sort of it's silly and like that movie is insanity. But again, sure. I said that you know it still is an attempt to kind of get back to the lower keyness, and I kind of wanted, you know, I just think like there's to me like there's nothing better than Bond than again that big super digger sequence at the end of Spy Love Me. So that's why I picked. It. But I think Moonraker so similarly has that great third act mm-hmm. that I think you know brings it all together, the crazy stuff on the space station and the space fight and everything like that. And I think like it's a very solid choice for the more because it is basically showing like this is where the bigness and the silliness of the Bond franchise went. It's just easy for any of these franchises that we know and love that we we still yeah. and I, and I'm staunchly against like always like remembering it for like being like oh this thing that we have to take seriously. Right. If you're gonna know these franchises, you, you have know to know is, right. all all the. And if you know, I felt like at the end of the day, I felt like you know, Spy Love Me still has enough of that and sure, silliness yeah. that that it works. It was just me like the space it, thing. Like, is I just would say, an obvious I mean, go-to. just go back to my list. Like, if you were to say like, show me one like if I if you would had said this to one sequence that defines bond it is i think like the cold open of spy who loved me would not be a bad choice Mm. because it just again it runs the gamut of like the plots of the world stakes just at the very the beginning with with the russian stuff but then that ski action sequence is very much like big silly bond stuff so um but all right your fourth one so the fourth so the fourth one um i um i 
like I, I had I had to include I had to include one uh, because I think again doing my due diligence if you want to know this franchise you have to cover it all and I did pick the 2006 Casino Royale I, I with your shock at my decision not to do Craig I felt like you definitely had a Craig on your list and and Casino Royale was going going to be the pick yeah like, no I mean there, and, there's like, no I, debate not, not to say that I didn't consider it but again for my list it was just like. Sure, I, I want it. I, you know, I, I explained myself. It's like I wanted to encompass the franchise, and I felt like anything that I could show in Casino Royale, I felt like could I'd be more interested to show something else that was similar. I agree with that, and I think that that's a perfect rationale for it. And I think I went in the direction of I do think not only content wise, I do think it's important to show in these franchises the longevity of them. So that's the reason I did choose like the more modern, like this is like now in the two thousands. Uh, it's now taking some of its cues off of like more of the modern movies with like the Bourne films and mm-hmm. like, you know, some of the deconstructionist Batman Begin films. And, you know, I and again, another movie I don't love 2006's Casino Royale. Right. Yeah. Um, and I but I do think it's important because it is the most solid of them. It's not a bad movie. And um, but I do think it's important to know that like Bond made it all the way into the 2000s period and became like the Batman in much in the way that I think that I think in for the Batman movies, I think you should know about Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. I think those are important films in the Batman filmography. Right. right, right. And I do think it's important to know that, like, you know, that we got up to 2006's Casino Royale. So those are the those are my choices. But Nick, you're you were the you 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 were the arbiter of James Bond. So if guys, if I were uh, say if you had to choose any of the four movies, go with Nick's choices. I think those are all great uh, four choices to choose from. Um, okay, so moving on to the Godzilla portion of the episode, in which we choose, uh, in which I will go down. Once again, the four Godzilla films, if I were to take, hey, Joe Schmo, now that you like, now that you have these uh, James Bond episodes, like, it's like, oh, it's like, now, you, do, do you know anything about Godzilla? He's like, no, I don't, don't really know anything. Isn't he like a, like a silly monster in a silly suit? And I'm like, sometimes, sometimes he's not. It's like, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> Joe, let me tell you these, let me tell you these, let me tell you these four movies. And then Nick, yeah, because, because you're like right behind yeah. me. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it's like, oh, like, like, uh, well, no, because you talk to him first. Right. So then I peek out of the corner. I'm yeah. like, hey, you want some God, you want some Godzilla films? Um, so again, in no particular order, um, we'll, uh, I'll explain each of my choices. And, um, some of these were in many, in kind of in similar, uh, fashion to your James Bond list. Some of them were very easy, uh, to think. And then actually one, there were, no, 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 three of them, three out of my four were fairly easy for me to pick. Yeah. The fourth one was very challenging, right. and I actually went through quite a bit of like, and I actually did some rewatches to like figure out. Oh, like, man, you yeah. really went all in. I really because I was struggling with this one, but uh, let's start uh, out. So with, let's hear it. Let's start out with the obvious one. Uh, uh, the original 1954 Gojira. Yeah. You have to put. I in mean, there. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it too, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like you can't, you can't show. You can't introduce someone to the Godzilla franchise without showing them that first one. I mean, you can't. Yeah, because I think the thing about, like, the reason... Because in a similar fashion, why I didn't, like... Because with the... Again, with the Godzilla... Not with the Godzilla. With the James Bond franchise, Dr. No from Rush With Love, great films. But the reason I chose Goldfinger is because, like, it it just... It it just now get... That's the movie that gave birth to everything you know about it. Whereas I feel like with this original film, this... 
Godzilla is so entrenched and rooted in this original film. Like, you know, and because, like, James Bond's in a different position where, because he has, like, the, um, you know, he has the books and the whole legacy behind this. This is the original birthplace of the King of the Monsters. And, I mean, it, like I said, we with some of these films, we've said, like, it's a great film. But it, it's just the best to know that, like, this was the original route, that it was, like, this more... A uh, pensive metaphorical monster feature, uh, creature feature, um, and um, yeah, I mean, what else is there really to say about it? I mean, like you, you just need to go down uh, in, to to the to the to the root of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Any yeah. Thought? I mean, that's basically. I mean, I'll I'll explain it, my reasoning on it, but uh, you know. Keep going with your list. I'm really uh, interested. So, uh, number three, let me just get this one out of the way because uh, this is actually a film that we haven't talked about yet. And this is the 2016 uh, directed by Hideki Anno. Uh, and the reason I say that is because uh, Evangelion is now yes, uh, e- making its ways on it. Yeah. Is making its ways. Which is it? Is it Evangelion or Evangelion? I think it's Evangelion. Okay, all right. Uh, but uh, anyway, so creator of that. And uh, we're talking about the uh, 2016 Shin Godzilla. And I won't get too much into this because we haven't talked about yeah. it on the on the show proper yet. But uh, but you but you know some surface yes, level yes. stuff. Yes, no, I know it. I know kind of the inspiration behind it and everything yeah. like that. So the reason I wanted to put it on this list is very similar in fashion to why I put Casino Royale 26 uh, 2006 the longevity on. and because I think the modernization of it. Yeah. The other thing I want I do want to mention that I did not I I actually kind of. It, it, admittedly took these out of the runnings i didn't put any of the american films or the legendary films in there um only because like the one thing is like i'm not quite sure if i would put like 2014 godzilla yeah. in, in in the running and we're we're just we're we're way too close to king of the monsters so, uh, to make coming decision, out to make yeah. that decision um, but the reason I wanted to put Shin Godzilla in is not only to show the longevity that Toho is making them um, as currently as like three years ago, but also to show that the type of movie it is, that it's not just like, you know, just big monster matches all the time. And even though that's what Godzilla really became and honestly became famous for, that there was still room for it to kind of like still branch out and be a different type of uh, Godzilla film uh, all the way into the modern era. So like that was like the reason that, that I chose that. Um, obviously you haven't seen it, so you can't, uh, speak, really unless you have any other, other thoughts about no, it. No, I think, but I also think from what I know, I think what also works about that movie is, is really kind of a proof of the continual reinvention of Godzilla, mm, which point. I think is a very, cause again, I don't know that movie all the way through. I haven't seen it, but I know enough about it that Godzilla in that movie is not the same Godzilla that we see in 54. While mm-hmm. it's also not the same Godzilla we see in the Hasey or the Show, it's a very different Godzilla. And I think the main thing about the, in, in the same way that the Bond franchise has its different actors, I think what's always important of showing a Godzilla franchise is showing just how the, the, the Godzilla interpretation has changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that Shin is, it, again, from what I know, just a very good representation of like, well, it's not always the atomic monster. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it could be represent something else. And I think that's what kind of that movie works with. And it's also important to know because like because again, like this shows like it, it goes to show like all the way up into the modern era that Toho was like really like now they're really like uh, embracive of Godzilla to the point that they're celebrating the sixty fifth anniversary. And I don't know if you knew this, but Shin Godzilla, like the Godzilla that's in Shin Godzilla, is the official kind of of like stamp on the six the celebratory 65 
years of Godzilla. So like Ooh. that's kind of like their new the image that they're using right. uh, for now. I don't like that may change. Like maybe they'll it would be kind of cool to see that every time they reinvent a Godzilla. Maybe like the next design that they'll do like that'll be the new mascot. Yeah. But it's just interesting because and it's also the same. Uh, speaking of Evangelion, it's a uh, the same. They use this Godzilla in that ride that they have in Japan in, right. the, in the Evangelion ride. So uh, so it's good to show the longevity of it that they're very embraceive of it. And as you said, the reinvention of it. That's a good point. Um, the third film, again, very obvious choice for me, was 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra. Uh, it was a no-brainer that a Hasey film had to be on the of list. Course, yeah. uh, because the Hasey films are close to my heart. But I also feel like it shows that, you know, we were getting into, like, in this point, the early 90s, but late 80s, early 90s. Um, Toho was finding uh, new innovative ways to portray these creatures. The effects work is is it, it's it's of the time, but just so but just so good. Like I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. Like the how they were really achieving like these giant monsters going through cities. Um, and then also, and I wasn't only choosing it because, you know, I have to give a shout out to Mothra, but only because like the, the work in the movie is actually really good. And you get all the, because I think like, even though I, again, much in the same way with your movies, like I did kind of pick what I even think is like the best of the Hazy films. But the reason I chose this is because it encompasses everything that you need to know about those films that it's like, you get the big bombastic destruction of the uh, of like Godzilla and Batra and all that stuff, yeah. but then you can take some of that time to get some of the more fantasy whimsical stuff of the Mothra things yes. and like the, I mean the Mothra birth scene alone out of the cocoon is like the like such a great contrast that like encompasses everything and in a way that I don't think any of the Hasty films ever like really kind of like uh, nailed uh, afterwards and then and then also you get like a solid human story out of it too so I I just think Godzilla versus Mothra is just like the best of like it all. Yeah. Like in, um, and I just thought it made it a, an easy contender for this list. Yeah. What, do, do you have anything to say about it? No, I think I think th- that is a good choice too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that having the that solid human connection to the plot and kind of the the the, the great way of the reinterpretation of Mothra and, and bringing that into a modern light, I think it, it's 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 a very solid choice. I agree, mm-hmm. and it's also like and it is funny because it's directed by Takao Kawara, who I would consider. Uh, to be like one of the Godzilla director greats yeah. in, in this. Uh, I mean, he made uh, Mecha Godzilla two, which is a, a little bit lower, but I still think is really strong. And then Destroya, he made. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about him. It's it's a shame that he ultimately ended on two thousand though. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That that's my only kind of like bummer about mm-hmm. that. So two thousand is not on your list. That's no, it's not. not. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I will say this. Uh, while I had kind of. did not consider the American films more so out of like, you know, nothing bad about them. In fact, I'm actually quite more favorable to them with the exception of 98. Um, I did not consider a millennium film because I think that the standard uh, kind of thought process would be like, oh, choose one for each era. The reason I didn't choose anything from the millennium era is because I don't think personally, and we're we're only two films into that. We're about to be three. And so I'll have to kind of like, give this thought now even though it's a little early i don't think the millennium era does anything for the franchise other than say that they were still making them in the 2000s that's how i feel yeah. and then actually well, it's, it's kind of like what i it's almost kind of what i said about the craig movies for mm-hmm. me where it's like 
yes, you could choose one of those Craig movies, or you could choose a Millennium movie just for the sake of choosing it. Right. But really, in like in my opinion, in your opinion, the Millennium and Craig eras are just basically like you can choose things from other eras that represent what you want to represent better. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the day, like and, what kind of how we're that's and, and I would even say like uh there's a movie in the Millennium era that's one of my favorites too. Like and I think is actually quite good. But it's just it like the reason I you you picked the original because of that. You picked like Shin because there is so many. There's the modern stuff, there's the reinvention stuff, there's like the cultural stuff. Uh, and then you chose the hasty stuff because, you know, you're showing, like, the time period, and that was, like, a big reinvention. And there's no, there really isn't anything truly definitive in the Millennium yeah. Era. So uh, I, so I went back to the Showa Era, and then this was, uh, this, th- this, was, this was a really tough one, man. Uh, because here was the thing I did decide. Because out of all these films, the one thing that wasn't represented is Godzilla as the hero. Yeah. In all these films, like, you know, we have the original, we have Shin, we have that. There, there's none of these films where it was just like, you know, because that was the yeah. big, kind of like a big deal. The big like, aspect of that character, yeah. So, and I didn't, so none of these movies, even my favorite in the Millennium Era didn't really uh, portray that. So, I, I went through a couple, and for one of my uh, initial uh, thoughts uh, was, ooh, maybe the um Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla like that that's a pretty good that's a pretty good choice and yeah. it's a solid movie mm-hmm. i rewatched it. it it's pretty good um the the only thing i would say about that movie is that that movie does kind of tip into the the balance between the the human stuff and the monster stuff like that does take like where it's like the monster stuff happens and then it's and they, a long time before the monsters show back right. up um, even though, like, I do agree, like, once those they show up, it like delivers. In, yeah. Like, it, it, it's actually rewatching it again. It was great. Like, yeah. it, it, it. Oh, it's it, one of my. It, it's one of my favorites. So it's still really good. So, so I couldn't choose that one. Um, but I was thinking, like, because there was also something where I'm like, all right, well, let's let me think of another one. Well, maybe I will have to go for some of my top films. So I revisited uh, uh Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster. Yeah. And. What a great movie this was! Just rewatching it again, it's just it's so good, and it like takes that spot in like one of my top films. And the reason I liked it because it it really is like a solid kind of just kaiju yeah. Toho film, and um and that uh in one of the things that made me think about it, it's like well you get the best of both worlds. Like Godzilla is kind of like the big lumbering monster, and you have all the monsters, and then like. And then it's funny because if you watch that movie again, it takes a hard right into them being whimsical like yeah. giant children and characters yeah the, it's so good because and then it's like the 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 tonal shift from them from it, them being giant monsters fighting to them bickering with each other is spectacular so like there there was that i couldn't choose that one yeah the reason i couldn't choose that one nick is because for all it's for all I for all I love about it as one as even though it's really one of the best, up. yeah really... no no because no I'm just I'm just trying to give like what my thought process was and the no, reason no, no, I didn't I'm choose. fine but I'm very okay go ahead so the reason I didn't choose that one is only because like well, you know it's not silly enough like it's like people need to know like right. if you're they, gonna they, they know need, about yeah you need to know the silly monster you, you, you gotta know and then like even like the silly stuff is like charming and whimsical but like you know it, it a doesn't come until the end of the movie and i i don't feel like it's really getting into what this what this right. became yeah so i had to go and i ultimately landed on 1973 directed by june fukuda another directorial staple in the godzilla franchise Godzilla versus Megalon. You son of a bitch. 
you. <laughs> All right. So, at, at yeah. what point did you did you kind of like? I knew as soon as you <laughs> said no to Ghidorah because I thought that's where you're going to go to. So here's the thing, and I I did this was this was kind of like I because. When I when I decide when I rewatched Mechagodzilla and I decided that wasn't going to be it, I thought like, all right, well it's Ghidorah. But then I was watching it, I was having that sense like I'm like, but this really isn't like the thing that you would see like on like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Right. Like you you, yeah. you just went and that's kind of what it became for a while, and that's why it lasted long. And it's also like and and so I was like. Well, let me let me go back and watch Megalon. Both fans of the movie, so I rewatched Megalon. And by by the way, like I just, that that's another like I would actually like, and we both were favorable towards it. But I would go rewatch it. It's actually like once you know the movie and you, it's like an hour and twenty minutes. It's it's really solid. Yeah, and it like it probably. If you want your monster action, like this one is like one of the best. Yeah, like I I think and. Yes, does it have that Godzilla doesn't show up for an hour? Uh, yeah, but honestly, I think like that's another important aspect to know about the Godzilla franchise is like you know that that is a that is an aspect of it. Um, but ultimately, I landed on it because it is the silly Saturday morning cartoon of a guy. Like this was the type of movies that would they would show cheaply on the Sci Fi Channel, and then like. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Godzilla is the very personable superhero throughout. There's no pretense of him being like a destructor who goes good. They literally introduce him as like, hey, like we're being attacked by monsters. Jet Jaguar, go uh, go get Godzilla. And Godzilla's like, yeah, I'm coming with you. And then Godzilla like, you know, lays waste to Gigan and Megalon. And then like, obviously, I had, and then, you know, the bonus of this all is that you get introduced to Jet Jaguar. Of course. <laughs> it was one of the things. But like, no, I, it was funny because I know how silly it sounds, but rewatching it, I was like, no, this is no. it. This is like the thing that I think people need to watch to know that this was Godzilla. Nothing about this podcast has given me more joy than us becoming such <laughs> champions of Godzilla versus Megalon. <laughs> the fact that I bought a shirt that says Godzilla versus Megalon on it is great. That's solid four choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, what, what do you think now that I've led up to it about the, the Megalon choice? No, I mean, uh, well, because <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, if you really want to know that Godzilla is silly, like, you know, you know, i favorable towards it, but I don't know if I would necessarily give a son of Godzilla. I'm definitely not giving you an all-monsters attack. Exactly, yeah. And, and even to destroy all monsters, is just like in that kind of like, you know, it just doesn't, you think that would be the film to do, but there's just enough of just kind of that film that just doesn't work sure. for the human pro- prospect that just it just kind of just it takes you from away from it. The thing about it though is like this is the movie that is like I said, just unapologetically, Godzilla is the family friendly hero. Yes, and and I don't think even in the other movies that may be you know maybe decent, I don't actually think any of these other movies. I don't even think Ghidorah really like. Uh, capitalizes that as much as Megalon does. I think this yeah. is the one that I think you see this movie, and then you get why you want to make Saturday morning cartoons out yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So that so yeah. uh, so to kind of go over my list of here are the four movies. If you need to know the franchise up until this point, the you know the thirty five thirty uh, like the over thirty films of uh, the Godzilla franchise, you need to know everywhere that he's been. The original Gojira. The most recent Shin Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mothra in the night of ninety two, and uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. Yeah, 
If those would be my choices, <laughs> those would be your choices. Well, uh, but Nick, what did what did what did you what did you think? Well, what, what I had you a, I had a very similar aspect to you, where it's like mm-hmm. there were three fairly obvious choices, and one that was very much hotly debated. Mm, okay, so right. I'm gonna go with my first one, which is your first one as well, was uh, the 1954 Gojira. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie is. I mean, it's still like one of it's, it's an all timer, not just of Godzilla, but of just like an example of international cinema. Like, if you were running, if I were running that like interset, international cinema class at USC that we did, that's like, true. It's hard not to like consider Godzilla to be the original Gojira to be like a movie you show because it's just so emotional. It's so unique. It's so much a a people reflecting on an era of their history, Mm. the whole nuclear weapon thing. And it's just, it's a movie when you watch it, it feels important. It feels like, you know, like an all, it feels like an all timer. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it has to be on that list Mm -hmm. and it has to establish like how important this franchise is. The second movie that was fairly obvious is one that you debated, but I ultimately put on my list was, Gojira, the three-headed monster. Ghidorah. Uh, g- yeah. Yes, sorry. Ghidra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Let's go Ghidra, the three-headed Ghidra, monster. Yeah. And the reason I went with this is a couple reasons. One, I felt like it was important to show a movie with the other major monsters. That obviously wasn't King of the Monsters, but you know, Ghidorah, Mothra, and uh, Rodan. It felt like important mm, to really mm-hmm. show, like you know, the other the other major players. That was why I ultimately two, considered it for so long. Two, I thought it was very important to show how quickly the movies went in from like kind of, you know, kind of the you know, it's a giant monster, but it's very much a drama to the insane kind of hard sci-fi. Yeah, you know, you have you know, the Venetian princess thing and you have the assassins and you have just the kind of the nuttiness of that and you have these all-out monster brawls. And, and it's really good. Like it's, I it's, actually, it's a and, yeah. and it's a very solid package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and then my other obvious answer uh was also uh Godzilla versus Mothra mm-hmm. from 1992 because yeah. again I was I was very close to picking all Showa movies. And this is something that we'll probably discuss at some point, but I think I I get your love for Hasey, but I think Showa is my favorite era of Godzilla because mm-hmm. I think that there was no era of Godzilla that represented just the insanity of like I did not know what the next movie was going to entail, mm-hmm. and I think that, that's that was not a bad reason. Most fun, but I did feel for the purpose of this list that I needed to. Include something a little bit more modern. And I'm also going under this list with the caveat that I haven't seen everything yet. Sure, so, yeah, that's so, true. you know, I can't include, like, a Shin, or I can't include the, you know, the uh, Millennium Mechagodzilla movies, which, from all accounts, sounds like things that are going to be way up my alley. Um, so I had to do something modern, and I felt like, you know, Death is my favorite of the Hasey era, mm-hmm. um, but I also felt like that movie wouldn't have the emotional punch it it does without kind of knowing the rest of that, especially that Hasty era, or just having more knowledge of Godzilla. So mm-hmm. just showing it within the context of just four, it didn't really fit, even though I think that movie is still very, very good. So Mothra was the obvious choice of a modernized Godzilla. It just, you know, it really showed. And there was a brief moment. There was a brief moment where I considered Mecha Godzilla 2 solely for like showing off the reinvention of Rodan. Mm. Um, and I felt like that would actually be a really nice parallel to uh, Ghidorah. 
the three-headed monster. Problem with that movie is that the Mecha Godzilla is kind of lame. No, it, like, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like that, and the human plotline barely holds that movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and, like that movie. And, and but... Mothra does the same thing. Mothra shows a reinvention of Mothra as a monster and a character mm. that still keeps it there, but it, it just reinvents the action to make it a very entertaining movie. So, yeah. Gojira, Ghidorah, and uh, Moth, the, the ninety-two Mothra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now for the hard decision. Yeah, and I'm curious what your four is. We we had a very similar debate. Okay. Because my last movie was between Megalon mm-hmm. and Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they both had very, very good arguments for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mechagodzilla is good. Like I like I it's a solid movie. Like when I was rewatching it it's like it it is good. But let me I want to hear you finish your point first. And I debated this for a very very long time. And there was like a couple others that I kind of sprinkled in there as possibilities. Mm-hmm. I did actually float Biolanti because even though it's not a movie that I'm hot really? on. Really? Oh, okay. I, I did feel like it was a good representation of just like a modern-ish, you know, kind of like something that someone else would like. Mm-hmm. Um and I also uh, did float around. What was he? I did float around one more. Now it, I it kind of probably got lost to time. Uh, I did kind of just float around um, Abira briefly too, just because again it's very silly and, and very nonsense. But because that was originally a King Kong movie, it's not really Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So Mecha Godzilla and Megalon were the two obvious choices, and we came to the same. Conclusion. <laughs> so three of our four movies are the same. Uh, but I came to the conclusion of Megalon because like, it was very close. It was mm-hmm. very, very close. And I really like my love of Mechagodzilla almost put that one over the top. But I do feel like Megalon you're, is in that exact wheelhouse. It's just purely the monster brawl. And it's purely more so even than, you know, uh, I think Mechagodzilla is also a good choice for Godzilla as the hero because it's very much like you have characters that are like, Godzilla's acting weird. He's not acting heroic because mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla has taken over. Um, but and there's I, some good like hero moments, like yes. when he go, like when uh, it's Godzilla, a great iconic shots in that. Like movie. when Godzilla goes to the island to get like electromagnetized yes. is is really cool. It's very very close. But I think what Megalon does is Megalon represents just the crazy monster brawl. It's just super fun all the way through. Once you get to the point where it's like, you know, oh, we know this human plotline is is meaningless. Mm-hmm. And I, but even then, again, it it serves its function within the movie, mm-hmm. and it still works because of the jet jaguar stuff. Yeah, and I just feel like you know once you get to that crazy fight and you just see everything come together, it's so, just like it just purely represents like the purest of monster action. Because well, here's the thing, and this is why I actually would even suggest a uh, a rewatch of it because. Like the the human plotline, it, it, it's very it's just streamlined ultimately. So it's actually like it's not as engaged. Like even rewatching it, I could not tell you what the relationship between the, the those two guys and that kid is. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. Because well, I mean, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is is, is an hour twenty four, so yeah. it's it's not that much longer. Um. But the the one the. My only thing is like why I kind of backed off of Mechagodzilla is because there is that period where no monster action yeah, is happening. Yeah, no, but but I think it's like you're right. I just think because I think like why I ultimately did again in my grand scheme of like representing is that I felt like Ghidorah in my list represents that kind of nice mesh of oh the, sure of yeah human no, I agree and, and and so 
I didn't need that aspect of it represented, mm-hmm. but I felt like just the pure on Monster Brawl. What I did find interesting, though, uh, considering what we were talking about the list, is for me, what was interesting is that on the bonds, like, because I said, like, oh, if I had a five for bond, I might have included something that was not, like, I would might, might have included something like live and let die purely because you need to see something as ridiculous as bond having sex with a woman and she loses her ability to see the future or mm-hmm. die another day for, for the pure, like, oh, the so bad it's good type of deal. But I never really considered that with Godzilla. I think there's two reasons for that. One is I feel like, um, you know, with my more familiarity inherently with Bond, I'm more comfortable kind of saying, well, I will just show you kind of a bad one, you know, just to kind of see it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Whereas with God- but I also feel like with Godzilla, like it's interesting in that, yes, Bond has very low lows. Like, you know, View to a Kill and Octopussy and, and for me, Man with the Golden Gun are the very, you know, lows, lows of that franchise. But I feel like with Godzilla, it's like it's almost like those Bond movies are a little bit more palatable with their 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 badness for for, for various reasons. We're like kind of throwing out like you know one of the worst Godzilla movies. I think would be more detrimental. Mm-hmm. You know, I that's think, a good point. I, I think there's a bigger gap between like you know the best of the best and the worst of the worst in some ways where it's like. Yeah, I could throw in the Live and Let Die, and it's still watchable, and it's still not great. But like, there's enough insanity there where it's like, I'm not gonna bore you with like the 40 minute fight at the end of Gigan, or I'm not gonna, sure, like, I'm sure. not gonna give you like, uh, you know, kind of the nonsense of a space Godzilla, really. Well, I, 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 and again, I had that thought, but and but the reason is I lucked out kind of with Megalon is just because like I do think it just inherently touch it. Like I said, it doesn't mess around right. with like Godzilla being a hero. He's right. just a hero the whole time. Like. I will say though, in in alternate reality where Hedora was slightly better, I mm. might have thrown that in there. Like if Hedora is one of those movies where I it's not great, but it's really close to being that type of movie that I love. Mm, I see. Well, the thing but, is, like, but I think like the I think Megalon also represents where it's like you could see it as a so bad. I think in some mindset. It's just depending on who you are. You might see that as a so bad as good because it is a movie with no plot. It is basically one long monster fight. Now, we're choosing it for, for that very reason because as a representation of Godzilla, it's like the most pure version of the fighting because that's the whole movie is that what it is. As soon as as soon as soon Megalon comes up from the ground, that's what that movie is from top to bottom. Well, you know the one thing that as I was watching Ghidorah that even though I was loving it, why I couldn't put it on the list, like the thing I was missing and what m- what my mind went to? My mind went to it's like, yeah, but this doesn't have the Godzilla giving the thumbs up and then like sliding on his tail. Like it just and I felt like a movie on this list. Like because when you look at like all the gifts of Godzilla, it's all like the kind of goofy stuff of like even though I know it's the commercials, but like him putting on the glasses or him like jet skiing and stuff. So but so there is that level of memory that this was a goofy franchise and Megalon, I think it does the best. I think I might I might I might pump Megalon up a slot on my list. Uh, Megalon does go up uh, because another brief consideration that i did have was king kong versus godzilla but like the problem with that though is like while i like that movie it it does kind of have that little bit of that like oh it's like the american cut stink on it like so like that because like i think the 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 japanese cut is out there somewhere but it's like if you were gonna just say watch these movies you're not gonna like scour the globe yeah. and scour the internet and, to find like a download copy of like a work print version of it. Yeah. Like you're going to give oh, them the and, DVD. And here's the thing. Legitimately, Megalon has the fair complaint of Godzilla does not show up until an hour into the movie. Yeah. Like it takes him a long time for him to show up. So, and that's a fair criticism yeah. of that movie. So, but I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, I think, well, cause Megalon's eight might, 
might pop it up to six or seven. Yeah, it, it, it'll go. Up. I have to rewatch King Kong. That's the. I think that's the last movie I have to rewatch before I before I move it around. Um, okay, well, uh, uh, listeners of uh, the Bondzilla podcast, those are our four James Bond and Godzilla films that we suggest uh, that um, you see. Um, if you want to know everything about the um, about the fran- about each of these franchises, and I think the I think both of us have come up with uh, some really solid decisions for these are the films that you should watch if you want to get the franchise. All right, next up, what four Harrison Ford films <laughs> do you need to see to understand Harrison Ford? <laughs> one day, one day, my friend. Well, everybody, I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, little special episode. Uh, happy 4th of July and uh, Independence Day to those statewides and to everybody else. Uh, happy Bonzilla episode. And yeah, thank hey, you for listening. Go eat those hot dogs. Yeah. Or- and, and eat a hot dog wherever you are. Yeah. Come on. I'm famished. <laughs> <laughs>